Good evening and welcome to Milkshake Monday, being brought to you by Fordos Productions. Tonight, the episode 226 is Uncomfortable Conversations. Before I start, I'd like to recognize and remember the late Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and also his late wife, Coretta Scott King. Uh, Oftentimes during these holidays, we get very caught up in what we want to do. And I know that there are a lot of remembrance and walks and things that we do for speeches. And I've seen a few things from his children and some of the honors that they and their grandchildren are doing as well. But I wanted to come and say a couple of things from my own reflection. I was born in 1967 and up until truthfully the last 10 years, maybe a little less, I hadn't really found that racism or issues with civil rights, whether voting rights and all the different things had really shined a light to the point I recognized them. But knowing some of the things that have happened over the last few years have really awakened my eyes to be more sensitive. I will say that today my neighbor, my white neighbor, who I've really taken in as a brother in Christ because he knows the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though we both don't share the same political views, we love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I had the opportunity after my walks, I normally go over and check on my brother. And so this particular day, I had needed to go to the restroom. And as I was in the restroom, it made me think of that scene in The Help where the maid needed to use the restroom really badly from her you know, from her employer. And they said, no, you can't go inside. You need to go outside because of her color of her skin. And as I came out of the restroom, I was uh, telling her, I said, well, Dr. King would appreciate that you and I have a Christian relationship together. We can go and see one another at each other's home. I could use your restroom. I could share food with you. And so that's one step. Another step I thought of is this past Christmas, we have had for more than almost, uh, probably almost uh, 50 years, very diverse family members. We have people who are married in our family who are white or different ethnic groups, and we've always loved them. We've loved them and accepted them because they're family and we don't look at each other's skin in that way. But I recognize that there are a lot of times that even myself, I have to be careful of judging and being um, critical of others because of their skin, because that's not what God would want us to do. And part of the message that we heard from Dr. King is that one day we'll look past the color of our skins and we'll look at people as people. And, And just like the Supreme Court said that we can love outside of our races, maybe we'll follow what the Lord of God says in his scriptures. We're supposed to love everybody and treat everybody as our neighbor, as we want to be treated ourselves. And I just want to remember Dr. King, because when I talk tonight about uncomfortable conversations, I know that he had uncomfortable conversations when people would not have the knowledge of knowing that people who are black or other colors and ethnic groups have a value and need to have civil rights and voting rights. And he ultimately paid the price with a bullet ending his life on this earth, but his legacy lives on. And I just wanted to take the few minutes just to say that, that This year, 2023, and the people who spent many years, months, and blood and tears to see this holiday, uh, it's not forgotten, and it's meaningful and valuable to all of us who want to recognize it. So tonight in Uncomfortable Conversations, I had an uncomfortable conversation, and it made me think last week, 
that I put it up on my board and I said, God, I really want to address this because there are a lot of situations in the Bible where people are having communications and some of it is not comfortable. And and oftentimes it's to share the truth of God's word and to be about God's divine plan. Well, in the examples that we are going to talk about tonight, I had first thought about that Amos 3.3, which it says, can two walk together lest they agree? But looking at the chapter before and the chapter behind, which Reverend and I were taught, all of us always were taught, you're always supposed to see context. I wanted to take something a little deeper than that. So I'm going to start out in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. And you can read verse 22, which talks about the fact that it, God is just trying to say that we should not have anger when it comes to our brothers. And he goes in to say this scripture. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there remember that thy brother has aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. I thought of brother to brother, but then I thought, how does that work? Even when we have brothers and sisters in Christ that we have an issue against, we're angry or there's a a situation where there's some divide. We're still supposed to love one another. But I see that there are more issues that people will say, I love them, but I don't want to have anything to do with them. And and I, I understand what that says and what that means, but something about that still did not sit right with me or doesn't sit right with me when it comes to what we're saying, because we are the body. And if we as the body cannot start to work together and love and forgive and ask God forgiveness and repent to God, and even to go and ask for forgiveness with our brothers when things have been wrong and accept that forgiveness, there's something going on. But look at this Galatians 6.10, because I want to see where I'm getting this from the Bible, because it really did upset me. And it didn't upset me in a way that I wanted to get angry, but I was saddened and I brought it up in a conversation, but it felt uncomfortable. And it was spoken back to me that it was uncomfortable. Uh, Not so much uncomfortable, the the expression was, uh, I said something cold. And I don't ever wanna say things to people that are cold, but sometimes saying things that are uncomfortable hits people uncomfortable and it comes off cold. And we talked and it was resolved in what I was trying to say. But at the same time, it brought to my attention that we have something going on that I want to address in 2023. So in Galatians 6:10 it says, "Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith." The household, the house, the body, the congregations of people that say we are Christians, we are of the way, we follow, we love Jesus, we use him as our example. He called Judas who betrayed him to the point that God allowed his life to be taken. That was always the plan of God. So it wasn't that Satan took it. It was part of the plan, but Judas betrayed him with a kiss. The intimacy of him coming as a, a, a former disciple, being with Christ, eating with him, being taught, being out, sent out. He came up and kissed him and Christ called him friend. 
the betrayer he called friend. But yet we, when we have these issues, we find that we are keeping the distance and having these ought. And God says, leave your gift. And I think there are some people, I won't belabor this with the brothers and sisters in the house of faith, but there's some things that we need to really recognize that we need to get right when it comes to the things of God. This next example, and I'm not, I know it's the holiday, so I'm going to try to move through rather timely, only God's timing, but timely. This next one is coming out of Exodus 18. And here it's a longer passage that we're going to talk about because it's a father-in-law talking to his son-in-law who is in the ministry, who is serving the Lord. But I want you to understand that even serving the Lord, there are conversations that can be had with people in your family who love the Lord too. Jethro is the priest of Median, so he has a relationship with God as well. And he's going to see something, something happening with his son-in-law, who happens to be Moses, a mighty man who's being used of God. And men of God and women of God get tired and can wear themselves out if they don't have the wisdom of God. And in this case, his father-in-law brought to his attention something he should be made aware of. So let's start at the very beginning. And it says, now Jephro, the priest of Median and father-in-law of Moses heard of everything God had done for Moses and for his people, Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. After Moses had sent away his wife, Zipporah, his father-in-law received her and her two sons. One son was named Gershom. For Moses said, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And the other was named Eliezer. For he said, my father's God was my helper. He saved me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jephro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' son and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he had camped near the mountain of God. Jephro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law, Jephro, am coming to you with your wife and two sons. So Moses, verse seven, I'm reading out of this version, but the new King James version said something that I want to reiterate after I read verse seven. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. Verse seven in the new King James says, and he asked, and they asked each other about their well-being. In their relationship, which was good enough that Moses bowed down and kissed him, they had a cordial relationship in the sense that each of them asked about their well-being. And there was a discussion that we don't hear a lot of specifics of, but the father-in-law is going to be attentive to some things because Moses is going to tell about his well-being. And even when you see people, you can get a sense, the spirit can give you sense of things that are a little awry a little fatigued, a little off. So verse eight says, Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake and about all the hardships. So well-beings discussed. We know what the Exodus story talks about, the 10 plagues. We know about the threats. We know about the complaining. We know about a lot of things because if you go to 17, chapter 17, you can see that Moses had just contended with the people because they were ticked off that there was no water to drink. And then he had to have a war in which he was fatigued enough because he was holding up his arms 
and he had Aaron and her on each side. They had to put a stone under him. So he was fatigued. He, they said his arms got heavy. Y'all can look at that on your own and look at uh, chapter 17, verse 12 and the whole chapter 17. But there was some contention of the people getting after him, complaining, murmuring, complaining, and then physically having to go through a battle where he was physically having to lift his arm up in order for the Lord's success on that battle with Joshua and the, the men. Now, the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. So he speaks to the word hardships. Verse nine says, Jephro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hand of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. Why does he say that? Because he was the priest of Midian. Midian, in that case, for he did this to those who had treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jephro came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. Here we go. Here's where the conversation First, I want you to understand, he's already talked to his son-in-law. There's been a conversation. They aren't strangers. They are not as strange. They are having fellowship. And in the midst of fellowship, there are times where you may have to have an uncomfortable conversation when you see something. And in your experience, you're finding that this conversation, uncomfortable that it may be, is mentoring the leader on leadership. Moses is the God-ordained leader. But here his father-in-law is going to have to give him insight on better leadership. And that could be uncomfortable, especially when you have a leader who thinks they're already a great leader when they're being told something. Verse 13 says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw All that Moses was doing for the people, he said, he saw it and now he's saying it. This is the conversation. What is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? While all of these people stand around you from morning till evening, he saw the issue. He presented it to his son-in-law. Respectfully, he did it. Moses responded back. Moses answered him. That's important. If somebody's talking to you, have a response. And if you have a good, healthy, constructive dialogue, it could be for everybody's betterment. Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it's brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Moses' father-in-law, hearing the feedback, that's what we have to do. We have to become better listeners. Say your concern, listen to the response, but then now there's another response back. Moses' father-in-law replied, and I want you to say it took some courage. It took some humility and some honesty and wisdom. When we speak, if we speak seasoned with the word of God in the boldness of the Lord, in the love, speak the truth in love, 
We can have things change in people's lives to include our own. Moses' father-in-law in verse 17 replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. That was the problem. He said it in love, but he said it wasn't good. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Some people hear you can't handle it and they're like, oh, you're, you're questioning my leadership. You don't think I can do it. You just think that I'm not worthy. You think that I'm not good enough. That's not at all what it was. And sometimes you have to be seasoned with love and salt of the word as you share uncomfortable conversations with people because they could hear it in a certain way that is not your intent. That's why you have to be prayerful and seek the Lord before you open your mouth to have some of these uncomfortable conversations. So he says, you cannot handle it alone. Now here's the operative word in verse 19. Listen now to me. Uncomfortable conversations require listening on both sides. And he says it, listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. He's acknowledging what Moses said. This is why they come. This is my role. So he's acknowledging that. I'm going to start teaching more and more this year, better communications to everybody in all my teachings that the Lord gives me, because I think we are not good listeners and we're not good communicators. And I think the Lord is showing us in the scriptures. He wants us to do that. He wants us to have better communications with him and with others. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But, so he's gone over the platform of what Moses says his role is, but select. He's giving a recommendation. Food, I use the word food for thought because I don't tell people what to do. I share recommendations. They could take them or they can lead them. I give wisdom of what God gives me. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Because remember, it's almost 2,000 people, 2 million people it's thought to be. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter. Some pastors, some bishops, some priests, some people in ministry, you are trying to do it all. God has given the body gifts spiritual gifts that God has endowed through his Holy Spirit. You trying to do it all is going to make a heavy burden that God, that's not his purpose. But here it says that will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. But here's the operative word. If, if you do this, it's a choice. Pastors could run themselves ragged. Moderators can run themselves rabbit. Pastors, I mean, rap, ragged. Pastors' wives, trustees, deacons, treasurers, all kinds of roles and responsibilities in the houses and congregations of worship all around the globe. 
But that's why we are a body and there are different members and there are different roles and responsibilities. Same thing in a household. Share the responsibilities. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain. Moses, go to the Lord and get confirmation that what I'm saying is, is right. Seeing your spirit is this working out to be in alignment with what you understand God would want you to do. And all these people will go home satisfied, not stay from morning till night. The process will be more efficient. It'll cause less strain on everybody. Here's a good word. Verse 24, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. He chose capable men from all of Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones they decided themselves. Then Moses sent his father-in-law on his way and Jephthah returned to his own country. The next example, there are only going to be four tonight. Priscilla and Aquila to Apollos. Here we saw before with Moses, a mentoring of a leader on leadership. Now we're going to have mentoring of a teacher on teaching. That's where it gets dicey because, you know, sometimes teachers can be puffed up. I don't need to learn anything. We're all learners of the Lord. We're all disciples learning from the Lord. Every one of us is learning from the Holy Spirit. In this case for Apollos, who's very learned and eloquent and all those wonderful things, he's going to get more training. And that's all the time. I am on people. My, my daughter always says, why are you always listening to all these teachings? Because I'm a teacher. I'm learning. I'm a disciple. I'm learning in order for me to grow. I have to, to listen and learn and listen to the spirit of God speaking to me through the word. But there's some great teachings all around the world that I get to have the ability to listen through these social media platforms, internet, I am thankful to God for all the teaching of the word of God so that I can learn to be able to share. But here we have an example here. We're going to start in Acts chapter 18, verses 24 to 28. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. He taught about Jesus accurately. Though he only knew the baptism of John, he needed more knowledge. The uncomfortable conversation is that when Believers in Christ who had were more mature in their faith, were more seasoned, didn't say they loved Christ anymore, but they had more knowledge. They're going to humbly share with this brother information to give him even more accurate information beyond the baptism of John. And the reason why that's important, because in the next passage that we're going to read right after, he's going to need that training. He's going to need that training. He's going to need that understanding because he's going to find himself debating publicly and refuting people who are against the message of Christ. And so in order for him to be able to do that rebut, 
to be able to debate, to be able to use the Holy Scriptures and have a command of what he needs to know. The sisters and brothers who heard needed to be honest and humble enough to go confront. And I don't mean confront in a negative way. I mean, go and speak the understanding that they had of how he needed to have greater knowledge in a private way, not an embarrassing way. And I've said this teaching about Apollos many times because I still think that we have a situation where people don't want to hear and listen because they think I've got a PhD in divinity. I have a a this, I have a that. I'm in this role. I'm in that role. I can't be told. We all are learners. In this case, we're going to have verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home. I just sent out a teaching from years ago on hospitality. They invited him to their home, which they're used to opening up because they had Paul there for 18 months and explained to him. That's why it's so important for us to have hospitality and fellowship and meet in one accord and loving the Lord, because that's when we can start to share insight with one to the other and not be, oh, I'm, I'm teacher this, oh, I'm deacon this, oh, I'm this, I'm have this role. But as we start talking and sharing the gospel one to the other, what the Lord is sharing with us without all of the, without having all of the arrogance They explained to him the way of God more adequately. And look why that was necessary. Verse 27, when Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. He was welcomed. When he arrived, he was a great help. He was a great help because he was informed about Christ more accurately and more adequately to the point that he was being used of God. And you don't understand that God can use us better the more that we are trained. That's why we have to study to show ourselves approved. That's why God wants us to read and study and hear his word from his spirit. It says, when he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents Those are people against the message of Christ. The people that want to put on the internet, all the lies, all the deceptions, all the half truths, all the untruths. We have to be able in love to refute it because they don't want the gospel to go forward. But Christ does. His Holy Spirit does. It says to refute his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Hallelujah. This last example is coming out of Jeremiah chapter one, and we'll probably start in verse four through 10. This one is going to be an uncomfortable conversation combating we as Christians in for inferiority complexes, inferiority complexes, where you doubt, you question, you second guess, You don't believe, you don't have confidence. You just, like Moses, when he was told to go, he had all the excuses. I can't talk. 
I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm not the one. But guess what? There's so many of you sisters and brothers where you are the one, but it's your inferiority. It's your feeling as though you have to have something more. And if God is calling you, he says, I'm the more. I'm the all in all. I'm the great I am. I am that I am. And I'm sending you and I'll be with you. So you're second guessing, but here's a conversation between God and Jeremiah. It's not uncomfortable for God speaking the truth, but Jeremiah is questioning God and his choice for his call, his choice for his new soil, his choice for, I need you to go. And many of us use age. And and in this case, Jeremiah is going to say, I'm too young, but some of you are saying I'm too old. I got too many ailments. I got no transportation. I got no funds. I got no this. I got no that. I got this. I got to take care of that. And all of that you're saying I can't, but if God has put in your spirit, I want you to do this. I want you to go and deliver this message. I want you to go and tell the people this. You coming back is the same as Jeremiah and Moses and all the examples of why I can't and I won't and I don't want to. But a lot of is self-doubt and inferiority, which is an uncomfortable conversation for most believer to believers to have. But God is speaking to some of us directly to say, I'm going to be with you and I need you to get over your self-doubt, your self-doubt sabotage for your ministry that I want you to do, that I have fashioned you to do. I don't care what your mama and your daddy, your cousins, your brother, your husband, your ex, your ex, your ex said about you and what they said you could not and you lacked and you weren't the right. Put all that in the history books. When God says it's time for you to go for him, trust God. Verse four starts in Jeremiah one. The word of the Lord came to me, talking about Jeremiah, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I pause because you think, It is not good enough. And he's trying to say to you, the Lord is trying to speak your name that he set you apart and he's known you before you were even in your mother's womb. And you, you look in that mirror and in that head of yours, you're, you're continuing to say why you cannot and why you will not. And God has said, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, this is inferiority speaking back to God. He's uncomfortable with what God just spoken to his life about his life. Even before he was in the mother's womb, he's uncomfortable in what the declaration of the Holy God has said about his life. God is speaking to many of us and we're uncomfortable with the message. And it's a lack of trust. 
But here he says, and he says the word sovereign Lord, but sovereign means control. Sovereign means authority, but he's going back to the authority and going to say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not enough. I want to cry because I can sense in my spirit. There's so many people saying I'm not enough. And God is saying to you, I made you. I created you. I fashioned you. You are enough because God is with you. God is through you. You, The spirit is in you. Your criticalness of who you are in the Lord Jesus Christ is crushing. The inadequacy that you are speaking into your spirit is crushing you. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. That is a lie from the devil. God is speaking and he comes back. Verse seven, but God didn't let that go. You know, God, we think God is just going to let us. He's so loving. He's going to, you know, God doesn't let us speak evil and ill and lack and inferiority to what he's created. You were created in his image and he's saying he is not inferior. He doesn't lack. But the Lord said to me, do not. And that's what he wants to say to you all that keep speaking this untruth about your life. Do not say I'm getting fussing at you because it's 2023 and we have to get about the business of the Lord. And many of you are saying, I'm not enough. And he's saying, do not say that. Do not make any more excuses. It's time to get to the work of the ministry for Jesus Christ. Do not say I'm too young. Some of you are saying you're too old. Stop saying it. Do not say I'm too young. You must go. Hear it from the Lord. If he's calling you to go, he's preparing you to go. He's giving you the word to go. Get on your knees and say, God, here I am. Send me. But he says to Jeremiah, you must go to everyone I send you to. And say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid. And that's what the enough issue is about. The inferiority is that you're afraid. You're afraid to fail. You're afraid to hear what they're going to say. You're afraid to be rejected. You're afraid that you are going to believe the lie of the devil to say, oh, you can't do it. You're not enough. They're going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. You're just going to get all kinds of embarrassment. Oh, you're going to be so foolish. What are they going to say? Do not be afraid of them. He almighty God is sending you. The sovereign Lord is sending you out. Don't be afraid of them. The people, the people don't have a heaven or hell to give you. They can't change one cubic of your stature. When God talked about Matthew six, don't worry. He's saying here, Jeremiah, don't be afraid of them for I am with you. That's what I don't think we get. 
Every time I get asked to go to speak, I get excited. Part of me in, in, in my flesh and be truthful says that fear part. But then I said, God has given me that door opening. God, you're going to be with me. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to pray and ask God to be there. And when I speak, I speak as thus said the Lord, what he's commanded me. And he says, like he says to Jeremiah, you must go to everyone I send you. Do not be afraid of them for I'm with you and will rescue you. If you get in a fix, I'm going to be there to fix it. I'm going to be there to fight your battles. I'm going to go before you, be behind you. I'm going to be with you and they can't battle me. You don't have to worry about, are you enough? Are you enough for the battle? I will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand. I love this. I love this. He reached out his hand and touched my mouth. Because that's what's the excuse. I, I can't speak. He reached out his hand. That's God's hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See today, I appoint you over nations, not one nation, nations and kingdoms to uproot my voice uproot, tear down to destroy and overthrow to build. I love that word build to build and to plant destiny. Destiny. God has got destiny for all of us. He created and fashioned each and every one of us for a purpose that he knows and he's trying to share with you and I, but we're saying, God, I'm not enough. And he's saying with me, you're more than enough with me. You are more than enough and I'm with you and I've got my hand on you because there are nations that need to hear what you have to say. I bought a globe and I'm going to get off. I'm going to get off, but into globes, believe it or not, had a little globe from, a place that paid $19 and the dog has been mad at the globe and knocked it over and broke it. Bought another globe, heavier globe. Dog knocked that over. It's not broken. But I sat down after I saw it was knocked over and I started looking at the different places. I'm not a geography buff by any stretch of the imagination at all. And I started looking at the nations of this world and I started looking at Africa and I started looking at Antarctica and South America and places that I've gone, places I haven't gone. I haven't gone to any place when you look at the whole equator and everything above it and below it. But I said the word of God through the mechanism of the Internet and social platforms has allowed the word of God through the voice that God speaks through me week to week to go to places I've never even heard of and can barely pronounce. It's not that Anita in my flesh is doing it. It's God through me. And I encourage you all to trust God, let him lead you. And there will be some uncomfortable conversations that you may have that God will have you have with other people. But if you do it as unto the Lord and you do it in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit speaking through you to whoever, to go wherever, trust God, trust that he's with you and that he'll rescue you and that he'll put his hand on your mouth. 
so that you can speak what he wants you to speak as he sends you out to all the nations to do the work of God. And I love you and I thank you and I ask that you continue to lift me up in prayer as God sends me and as I speak with what he gives me. I'm excited, I'm excited. And I love you all and I remind you that the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And I pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out more to the vineyard because we got to tell them about Jesus Christ. I love you and God bless you. I'll see you, Lord willing, next Monday. Bye-bye.